Hello, Jessica McCarthy. I'm so happy to be here, Emil, on this side of the microphone for once. It's lovely to have you here. Your voice will be familiar to people. That is because you uh, always read the headlines magnificently for us here on Newsable, but uh, you're in the hot seat today. Yeah, I'd get more than my allotted minute 10 to talk for once. It's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. It has to run to a minute. Ten. It's not a joke. Um, welcome. You're here for a week. Uh, it's really exciting to have you here. But of course, um, sitting in the host chair means that you have to run the newsable host gauntlet. Are you ready? Okay. I wasn't aware of this, but let me try and be interesting. Go on. Uh, question number one. What star sign are you, please? I am a Gemini. You're a Gemini? Yes. Great. Okay. Nice. That's a good, strong, powerful star sign. Good start. Uh, question number two. If you were uh, kidnapped by somebody and you had to deliver an outstanding karaoke rendition of a song of your choice, what song would that be? Okay. Um, you know, the one I always go to, and no one ever enjoys it except for me, is Black Eyed Peas, Where Is The Love? Doing the nice. full rap chorus. Yes. Love it. Excellent commitment. Again, great answer. Uh, and question number three, the third and final question, do you have a cute animal who can predict the outcome of the Women's World Cup final this weekend? Okay, uh, no cute animal. I've got mm-hmm. a cute two-year-old uh, okay. and she doesn't really like to watch the football anymore because when we were watching the New Zealand games, mum got a bit loud and uh, scared her a little bit, which is not unlike a pet. Too bad we're calling her into action this <laughs> Sunday, so she better get ready for it. Anyway, uh, welcome, Jess. It's great to have you here, and uh, let's get to the show. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Jess, and this is what's worth talking about. Lauren Dickerson is found guilty of murdering her three children by a majority verdict. We ask if the case will have a long-term impact on our justice system. Also, Elizabeth Kitty bids farewell to Parliament and through a few parting shots at the Greens' leadership in the process. The official cash rate remains unchanged, but the Reserve Bank is warning people to curb their enthusiasm. BNZ's Mike Jones is here with his analysis of what it all means. And the trials and tribulations of running a TikTok account while also holding down a day job. Well, that's to come up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. So yesterday afternoon, on a cold and wet Christchurch day, a jury found Lauren Dickerson guilty of murdering her three children by way of a majority verdict. It's been a haunting case. Lauren's parents said yesterday, this was not our daughter, but a debilitating mental illness, which resulted in an awful tragedy. Stuff's Martin Van Banen was in court for every single day of the four-week trial, providing us with his thoughts and reporting on what happened, and he joins us now. Kia ora, Martin. Good afternoon. This really felt like a landmark case while it was going on. The jury asked to decide whether Lauren was culpable for killing her children or whether her history with uh, postpartum depression meant infanticide applied or, or that she was insane at the time. So... Now that they have returned this verdict of murder, do you think it will have a significant impact on our justice system? Hard to say at this stage. I think there will be a lot of cell-searching about this verdict and uh, there will be some um, reflection about whether a jury is the best way of deciding these cases. However, you could equally argue that, uh, that a case like this was tailor-made for a jury because in the end it was really common sense. We had a lot of expert evidence and they provided us with some starkly opposing opinions. But it wasn't a case of um, DNA evidence or complicated fraud where special knowledge was required. We had experts, but they were picking up on 
pointing out the things that led them to their opinion. And the jury was well-placed, really, to decide the importance that those particular aspects of the trial had. So in some ways, I think we will see a lot of comment and talk about this case and whether the jury reached the correct verdict, uh, given the evidence. But on the on the other hand, the fuss could all die down very quickly and we won't hear much more about it. These um, insanity trials are very rare. So it's not as though this is going to be a, an important daily sort of issue that crops up all the time. If insanity trials are rare, I imagine infanticide trials are even rarer. This is the first time ever hearing of infanticide. And if we can't find it in this case, do you think it's ever likely to be used again as some kind of defence? Well, I think it probably will be. Postpartum depression is now much better understood. We now know through research and so forth that thoughts of harming children are not that uncommon among women who experience postpartum depression. Now, by far, the the vast majority, majority never act on those thoughts, but the thoughts are there. Man, I talked to a bunch of lawyers during this trial about what they thought might happen and the impressions of the evidence and so on and so forth. And many of them thought that the partial defences would succeed up until pretty late in the piece. Do, do you think there was a, a piece of evidence or a turning point in the trial that, that, that the jury simply couldn't get past? Impossible to say because we'll never know what the jury th- thought it's, it's understandable that the jurors were swayed by some of the really appalling information that we got about the way the children died, that they couldn't look past or that they felt someone had to be punished for. So it may be that if the public knew all the information, that they wouldn't have been surprised. So Lauren Dickerson, she's now going to be sentenced. We don't have a sentencing date yet. Given there is a major depressive episode there that both the Crown and the Defence acknowledged, does that mean she's definitely going to serve her sentence in a prison or is there a chance that she'll serve it in a psychiatric ward like she's doing at the moment? It really depends on what the psychiatrists say. I mean, she's clearly mentally unwell at the moment. This latest verdict won't help her situation. And the judge, I think, has been getting some fairly recent assessments of her condition and therefore felt that it was quite inappropriate for her to be uh, remanded in jail pending sentence, essentially send her back to the mental hospital where she's been for the last couple of years. Having said that, a murder sentence carries an automatic life sentence. The question for sentencing will be how much she has to serve 10 years, but then it becomes a question of parole and a sentence will say how many years she must do after that initial period before she's eligible for parole. Martin, thank you so much for um, your time throughout this trial. You're welcome. As number four on the Green Party initial list this year, I thought I was on a heartwarming two-part series and it turns out I was on Survivor and I did not see the blind side coming. The former Green Party MP Elizabeth Kedekede bids farewell to Parliament and throws a few parting shots at the Greens' leadership on the way. Kedekede is leaving Parliament after a dramatic falling out with the party earlier in the year after allegations of bullying surfaced. Stuff's Glenn McConnell was in Parliament watching the speech and he's with us now. Kia ora. 
Before we actually get to the speech, let's talk a bit about the audience. Uh, and not all of Elizabeth Kitty's Green Party colleagues showed up to hear what she had to say, Glenn. No, almost no one from the Greens were there, but the co-leaders were. Marama and James showed up. Actually, just before Kitty Kitty started speaking, Gowries walked out. She'd been in there before, but didn't want to stay for this awkward speech. Interesting. All right. Well, if they were hoping to avoid an earful, did they avoid an earful? What was the, the tenor of the speech, as it were? I think they probably did avoid anything too too bad for the Green Party. She made it clear she didn't like them. Uh, you know, in the House, she said that there had been an epic failure of leadership as the co-leaders were sitting just beside her, pretty much. Um, and, and that made it quite awkward, you know, criticising your your colleagues, your ex-colleagues, as they are forced to sit there and watch, pretty much. Uh, she said that the allegations against her were never proven. In fact, she said she uh, presented an email that showed that only Marama and James ever had a problem with her, which wasn't quite what we were told at the time. Mm. Just in general, broad brush, Glenn, you know, there's been quite a bit of schadenfreude, I think it's fair to say, from other parties throughout this whole saga. Uh, You know, from some points of view, it it sort of goes against the Greens' desired image, I suppose, as it were. How do you reflect on this and and how it was handled, I suppose? It definitely did go against the idea of the Greens being, you know, a happy group of people here for the right reasons when they have an MP who's left the party saying that it was like being in Survivor being in that caucus, that it was a group fighting each other to stay in Parliament, to hold on to power. And their opponents enjoyed that speech. You know, some national MPs walking away said, that was pretty good, wasn't it? (laughs) And uh, she got to sit in Act Leader David Seymour's seat to make it that much more awkward Mm. because he sits next to the Green co-leaders. Interesting stuff. What a time in New Zealand political history. Glenn McConnell, thank you very much indeed for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. The Reserve Bank has left the official cash rate unchanged at 5.5%, but it has forecast that the OCR will remain at that level for longer than it had previously forecast. BNZ's Mike Jones is here with his analysis. So Mike, is this exactly what we expected? Well, the general expectation this time around was that we wouldn't see much in the way of fireworks. The Reserve Bank would keep the official cash rate at 5.5%. And talk up the need to keep it there for a long time to win the battle over inflation. And you know, that's pretty much what we got. As you said, the sting in the tail was perhaps if you went to the back of the forecast document and looked at the OCR forecast, they do stay a little higher for longer, about six months longer than uh, the bank previously projected. And even there was, a sm- you know, there was a small chance in there of the official cash rate having to be lifted again. For people who have loans or mortgages, what does this mean for interest rates? So the message really remains the same, the same thing I've been banging on about for for a wee while, which is, yes, it does look like interest rates are peaking, but the prospects for interest rates coming down are sufficiently far away that we should probably just put it to the back of our minds and budget on these high levels of interest rates sticking around where they are for for a long period of time. And the Reserve Bank also released its quarterly monetary policy statement. Can you please tell me what that is, Mike? Because I have no idea. Yeah, I've got it right here. This is the every second meeting the Reserve Bank puts out this sort of all singing, all dancing document. It's 60 pages long. It's full of projections and, and charts and, and thinking. I actually quite like the, the I've got some nice photos of um, New Zealand scenes in there. Beautiful. They got one of the Kepler track this time around. 
Um, all right. What were the most important parts in uh, that MPS when it comes to the assessment of economic conditions? What's the TLDR, I suppose? In terms of the, the run of play, what we saw relative to, to the last MPS from the Reserve Bank, certainly some more nerves in there about inflation not falling as, as quickly as the bank and we'd all quite like. Quite a big change to their house price expectations. Like us, the Reserve Bank now thinks the housing market has, has stabilised. Uh, and is starting to turn. And, and probably the other message that got another thorough airing was, look, the worst, unfortunately, is still to come for, for the economy, for, for household cash flows, and some of the pressures facing businesses and consumers from the weakening economy. And part of the weakening economy, I guess, is the employment market. How is unemployment doing? I know BNZ and Seek reported that the number of advertised jobs are actually falling. Yeah, look, the data that's coming in and, and comes in, as we all know, in sort of drips and drabs, is is painting a picture of the labour market easing off. Now, the, the SEEK numbers were interesting, not just because we saw quite a big fall in job ads, but if you looked at uh, job applicants per ad, now those numbers hit actually a, a record high, mm-hmm. uh, higher than the last big recession we saw in 2008, higher than the early stages of of lockdowns, certainly the direction is relatively clear and that the labour market is cooling uh, and we're probably seeing the peak in wage growth in New Zealand. The tides can shift on a dime, can't they? Mixing metaphors horribly, so we'll call it there. Mike Jones from The Pulse, thank you very much for your time as always. Thanks guys, always a pleasure. And in just a second, we're chatting about a comedy of working from home errors. And so, in the spirit of that, we want to know your worst working from home stories. What have you got caught out doing? You can get in touch. You can find us on TikTok or Insta, search Newsable NZ. And if you'd like to dazzle us with a lengthy Pulitzer Prize winning narrative, you can send us an email at newsable at stuff.co.nz. We are great appreciators here at Newsable of the side hustle, are we not, Jess? No, oh, of course, you've got to hustle, but it is possible to side hustle a little too hard. Ill-advised side hustling. That is the scientific Latin term, I believe. And uh, we did have a textbook case of the ill-advised side hustle in Australia recently. This is all about Susie Chico, who uh, worked for an insurance company, IAG, that's worked past tense. Uh, Susie had been there for 18 years, actually, and she was also a micro-influencer. She does TikToks for a bit of spare cash on the side. Now, she worked from home in her day job, and her bosses did notice that her output was falling quite steadily. She was missing meetings and deadlines. She missed a deadline for a very important piece of work, which meant that IAG actually got fined at the end. So she got put on a performance plan, and that performance plan, I don't know how you feel about this, but it monitored her keystrokes from home, okay. Yeah, which is kind of freaky to me. But uh, this performance plan concluded that Susie was not really fulfilling her obligations. Okay. She didn't work her rostered hours for 44 days. She started late on 47 days. She finished early on 29 days. And on four occasions, she performed zero hours of work. Susie, 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 Susie. While she knew that she was under monitoring as well. So um, that's neither here nor there, I suppose. As you'd imagine, she got sacked. But Susie was not happy about this. She pushed back. And she took the case to the Fair Work Commission in Australia, questioning the veracity of that data, although she had no evidence that it was wrong. What the is evidence of though is Susie filming TikToks for her side hustle while she was on the clock oh yeah well let's hope that side hustle is a bit more of a side hustle for Susie now I don't know if there's much influence market in the not working from home very well 
influencer group. But The side hustle may have to become a main hustle. The funniest part of this, well, it's not really funny, but it's kind of funny, is that the reason that there's evidence for this from Susie is that the videos were timestamped. So they could actually tell that she was definitely doing this while she was being monitored while she was on the clock. Rookie, rookie side hustling. Rookie era, rookie side hustling, exactly. Um, But as we mentioned earlier, we do want to hear your worst working from home stories. So send them through to us uh, at NewsballNZ on TikTok or Instagram. But um, I think that's it for Newsball today, isn't it? Yeah, we've got to get back to our side hustles now. We do, (laughs) exactly. My romance writing. Uh, I'm Emile Donovan. I'm Jessica McCarthy. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you tomorrow.